Chapter Nineteen of A Red Wallflower. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. A Red Wallflower by Susan Warner. Chapter Nineteen. Happy People. At Esther's age, nature does her work of recuperation well and fast. It was early yet and the dawn just breaking into day when she woke, and, calling to mind her purposes formed last night, she immediately got up. The business of the toilet performed as speedily as possible. She stole downstairs and roused Mrs. Barker, and while waiting for her to be ready, went to the back door and opened it. A fresh, cool air blew in her face. Clouds were chasing over the sky before a brisk wind, and below her rolled the broad Hudson, its surface all in commotion while the early light lay bright on the pretty Jersey shore. Esther stood in a spell of pleasure. This was a change indeed from her seaforth view, where the eye could go a little further than the garden and the road. Here was a new scene opening, and a new chapter in life beginning. Esther's heart swelled. There was a glad mental impulse towards growth and development, which readily connected itself with this outward change, and with this outward stir also. The movement of wind and water met a movement of the animal spirits, which consorted well with it. The cool air breathed vigor into her resolves. She turned to Mrs. Barker with a very bright face. Oh, Barker, how lovely it is! If you please, which is it, Miss Esther? Look at that beautiful river, and the light, and the air, Barker. It is delicious. I can't see it, Mum. All I can see is that there ain't no individual chair standing on its legs in all the house, and whatever will the colonel do when he comes down? And what to begin at first, I'm sure, I don't know. We'll arrange all that. Where is Christopher? We want him to open the boxes. We'll get one room in some sort of order first, and then Papa can stay in it. Where is Christopher? They had to wait a few minutes for Christopher, and meanwhile Esther took a rapid review of the rooms decided which should be the dining-room and which the one where her father should have his sofa and all his belongings then she surveyed the packing-cases to be certain which was which and what ought to be opened first examining her ground with the eye of a young general then when the lagging mr bounder made his appearance there was a systematic course of action entered upon in which packing-cases were knocked apart and cleared away chairs and a table or two were released from durance and set on their legs a rug was found and spread down before the fireplace. The colonel's sofa was got at, and unboxed, and brought into position, and finally a fire was made. Esther stood still to take a moment's complacent review of the morning's work. It looks quite comfortable, she said, now the fire is burning up. We have done pretty well, Barker, for a beginning. Never see a better two hours job, said Christopher. Tain't much more. That's Miss Esther. There are there, she wouldn't have knowed which was her head and which was her heels, and other things according, if she hadn't another head to help her. What o'clock is it now, Miss Esther? It is some time after eight. Papa may be down any minute. Now, Barker, the next thing is breakfast. Breakfast, Miss Esther? said the housekeeper, standing still to look at her. Yes, aren't you hungry? I think we must all want it. And how are we going to get it? The kitchen's all cluttered full of boxes and baggage and that, and I don't know where an end thing is. This minute. I saw the tea kettle downstairs. Yes, am but that's the sole solitary article. 
I don't know where there's a pan nor a gridiron, and there's no fire, Miss Esther, and it'll take patience to get that grate a-goin'. The housekeeper, usually so efficient, now looked helpless. It was true, this system by means of which so much had been done that morning had proceeded from Esther's head solely. She was not daunted now. I know the barrel in which the cooking things were packed stands there, in the hall, I think. Christopher, will you unpack it? But first, fill the kettle and bring it here. Here, Miss Esther, cried the housekeeper. Yes, it will soon boil here. And Barker, the hampers with the china are in the other room. If you will unpack them, I think you can find the teapot and some cups. They'll all want washing, Miss Esther. Very well, we shall have warm water here by that time and then I can give Papa his tea and toast, and boil some eggs, and that will do very well. Everything else we want is in the basket, and plenty, as we did not eat it last night. It was all done. It took time, to be sure, but it was done, and when Colonel Gainsborough came down, hesitating and somewhat forlorn, he found a fire burning in the grate, Mrs. Barker watching over a skillet in one corner, and Esther over a tea kettle in the other. The room was filled with the morning light, which certainly showed the bare floor and the packing boxes standing around, but also shone upon an unpacked table, cups, plates, bread, and butter. Esther had thought it was very comfortable. Her father seemed not to take that view. "'What are you doing there?' he said. "'Is this to be the kitchen?' "'Only for this morning, Papa,' said Esther cheerfully. "'This is just the kettle for your tea, and Barker is boiling an egg for you.' At least she will, as soon as the water boils. All this should have been done elsewhere, my dear. It was not possible, Papa. The kitchen is absolutely full of boxes. It will take a while to clear it, and I wanted first to get a corner for you to be comfortable in. We will get things in order as fast as we can. Now the kettle boils, Barker, don't it? You may put in the eggs. My dear, I do not think this is the place for the sofa. Oh, no, Papa, I do not mean it. The room looking towards the water is the prettiest, and will be the pleasantest. That will be the sitting-room, I think, but we could only do one thing at a time. Now you shall have your tea and toast in two minutes. There is no doing anything well without system, said the colonel. Arrange your work always, and then take it in order. The first thing first, and so on. Now I should have said the first thing here was the kitchen fire. Esther knew it was not and that her doings had been with admirable system. She was a little disappointed that they met with no recognition. She had counted upon her father's being pleased, and even a little surprised that so much had been done. Silently she made his tea, and toasted him with much difficulty a slice of bread. Mrs. Barker disappeared with her skillet, but the colonel was in the state of mind that comes over many ease-loving men when their ease is temporarily disturbed. "'How long is it going to take two people to get these things unboxed and in their places?' he inquired, as his eye roved disconsolately over the room and its packing cases. "'This is pretty uncomfortable.' Three people, Papa. I shall do the very best I can. You would like the sitting-room put in order first, where your sofa and you can be quiet?' "'You are going to school.' "'Oh, Papa, but I must see to the house first. Barker cannot get along without me.' It is her business, said the colonel. You are going to school. But, Papa, please, let me wait a few days. After I once begin to go to school, I shall be so busy with study. Time you were. That's what we are come here for. 
The season is late now. But your comfort in the house, Papa? My comfort must take its chance. I wish you to go to Miss Fairbairn on Monday. Then Barker and Christopher can take the house between them. There was no gainsaying her father when once an order was given, Esther knew, and she was terribly disappointed. Her heart was quite set on this business of writing and arranging the new home. Nobody could do it as it should be done, she knew, except by her order, and her own hand longed to be in the work. A sudden cloud came over the brightness of her spirit. She had been very bright through all the strain and rush of the morning. Now she suddenly felt tired and dispirited. What is Christopher doing? Papa, I do not know. He has been opening boxes. Let him put the kitchen in order. Yes, Papa. Esther knew it was impossible, however. And let Barker get the rooms upstairs arranged. Papa, don't you want your sitting room prepared first? Just so that you may have a corner of comfort? I do not expect to see comfort, my dear, for many a day, to judge by what I have around me. Esther swallowed a choking feeling in her throat, commanded back some tears which had a mind to force their way, and presided over the rest of the meal with a manner of sweet womanly dignity, which had a lovely unconscious charm. The colonel did even become a little conscious of it. "'You are doing the best you know, my dear,' he condescended kindly. "'I do not grudge any loss of comfort for your sake.' "'Papa, I think you shall not lose any,' Esther said eagerly. But then she confined her energies to doing, and with nerves all strung up again, she went, after breakfast, at the work of bringing order out of disorder. "'The first thing for you to do, Barker,' she said, "'is to get Papa's sleeping-room comfortable. "'He will have the one looking to the west, I think. "'That is the prettiest. "'The blue carpet that was on his room at Seaforth will just do. "'Christopher will undo the roll of carpet for you.' "'Miss Esther, I can't do nothing till I get the kitchen free. "'There'll be the dinner.' "'Christopher will manage the kitchen.' He can't, Mum. He don't know one thing that's to be done, no more than one of his spades. It's just not possible, Miss Esther. I will oversee what he does. Trust me. I will not make any bad mistakes, Barker. You put Papa's room in order. He wishes it. What the Colonel desired had to be done, Barker knew. So with a wondering look at Esther's sweet, determined face, she gave in. And that day, and the next day, and the third were days very full of business, and in which a vast deal was accomplished. The house was really very pretty, as Esther soon saw, and before Saturday night closed in, those parts of it, at least which the colonel had most to do with, were stroked into order, and afforded him all his wanted ease and luxury. Esther had worked every hour of those days, to the admiration of her subordinates, the informing spirit and regulating will of every step that was taken. She never lost her head, or her patience, or her sweet quiet. Though she was herself as busy as a bee, and at the same time constantly directing the activity of the others. Wise and quick-witted, and quick to remember, her presence of mind and readiness of resource seemed unfailing. So, as I said, before Saturday night came, an immense deal of work was accomplished and done in a style that needed not to be done over again all which, however, was not finished without some trace of the strain to which the human instrument had been put. The sun had just set, and Esther was standing at the window of her father's room, 
looking out to the west. She had been unpacking his clothes and laying them in the drawers of his bureau and press. "'Miss Esther, you're tired, bad,' said the housekeeper wistfully, coming up beside her. "'There's all black rings under your eyes, and your cheeks is pale. You have worked too hard, indeed.' "'Never mind,' said Esther cheerfully. "'That will pass. How pretty it is, Barker. Look out at that sky.' "'Yes'm, it's just the color from that sky "'that keeps your cheeks from showing how white they be. "'Miss Esther, you've just done too much.' "'Never mind,' said the girl again. "'I wanted to have Papa comfortable before I went to school. "'I'm going to school Monday morning, Barker. "'Now I think he'll do very nicely.' "'She looked round the room, "'which was a pattern of neatness and of comfort "'that was both simple and elegant. "'But the housekeeper's face was grave with disapproval "'and puckered with lines of care.' The wistful expression of anxiety upon it touched Esther. Barker, she said kindly, you do not look happy. Me? No, Miss Esther, it is which I do not expect to look. Why not? Mum, things is not accordin' in this world. I think you are mistaken. Do you know who the happy people are? Indeed, Miss Esther, I think they are the blessed ones that has gone clean away from the earth. Oh, no, I mean... "'People that are happy now, and happy here, Barker.' "'I am sure, and I don't know, Miss Hester, "'if it wouldn't be little children, which is, "'then that is too young to know what the world is like. "'I do suppose they are happy. "'Don't you know, the Bible says some other people are happy?' "'The Bible?' "'Mrs. Barker stared, open-mouthed, at the face before her. Esther had sat down by the window where the glow from the west was upon it, like a glory round the head of a young saint, and the evening sky was not more serene, nor reflected more surely a hidden light than did the beautiful eyes. Mrs. Barker gazed, and could not bring out another word. "'You read your Bible, don't you?' "'Yes, um, in course, which it isn't very often, but in course I reads it. "'Don't you know what it says about happy people?' "'In paradise,' gasped the housekeeper. "'No, not in paradise. "'Listen, let me tell you. "'Blessed is the man whose iniquities are forgiven, "'whose sins are covered.' "'Mrs. Barker met the look in Esther's eyes "'and was absolutely dumb. "'Don't you know that?' "'I've heard it, Mum. "'Well, you understand it?' "'If you please, Miss Esther.' I think a body could be that noted, that same, I mean. How can anybody be happy that does not know it? True enough, mum, but how is anybody to know it for sure, Miss Esther? I know it, Barker. You, Miss Esther? Yes, mum, that's easy, when you never did nothing wrong in your life. Taint the way with the likes of us. It is not the way with anybody. Nothing but the blood of Christ can make anyone clean, but that will. And don't you see, Barker, that is being happy? There was indeed no dissent in the good woman's eyes, but she said nothing. Esther presently went on. Now I will tell you another word. Listen. Blessed is the man whose strength the Lord is. Don't you think so, Barker? Don't you see? He can never be weak. "'Miss Esther, you do speak beautiful,' came out at last the housekeeper. "'Don't you think that is being happy?' "'It do sound so, mum.' 
I can tell you it feels so, Barker. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. And that is, they are happy. And I trust in him. And I love him. And I know my sins are forgiven and covered. And my strength is in him. All my strength. But that makes me strong. She went away with the hat from the window in the room, leaving the housekeeper exceedingly confounded, much as if a passing angel's wings had thrown down a white light upon her brown pathway. And from this time, it may be said Mrs. Barker regarded her young lady with something like secret worship. She had always been careful and tender of her charge. Now in spirit she bowed down before her to the ground. For a while, after Esther had left the room, she stood very still, like one upon whom a spell had fallen. She was comparing things, remembering the look Mrs. Gainsborough had used to wear. Sweet, dignified, but shadowed. Then the face that at one time was Esther's face, also sweet and dignified, but uneasy and troubled and dark. And now, what was her countenance like? The housekeeper was no poet, nor in any way fanciful. Otherwise she might have likened it to some of the fairest things in nature, and still the comparison would have fallen short. Sweet as a white rose, untroubled as the stars, full of hope as the flush of the morning. Only, in the human creature, there was the added element of life, which in all these dead things was wanting. Mrs. Barker probably thought of none of these images for her young mistress. Nevertheless, the truth that is in them came down upon her very heart, and from that time she was Esther's devoted slave. There was no open demonstration of feeling, but Esther's wishes were lost to her, and Esther's welfare lay nearest her heart of all things in the world. End of chapter 19 Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona